revealed presence of God, God Himself, heaven rests on you. Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not Thanks for joining us at Hope of Our Calling. Let's get started in our study of 1 Peter. Well, hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Hope of Our Calling. So glad you could be here. And this has been an extraordinary epistle to go through um, from a man who followed so closely with the Lord, was one of the three that were constantly being taken aside who was brave enough to step out of a boat and the only man to walk on water, um, to a man who denied Christ after even experiencing so many amazing miracles. You know, when we look at all the disciples, there's so many things about their lives that we would like to claim for ourselves in our walk in the Lord. And one of the things about Peter is he wasn't afraid. Peter knew what it meant to be vulnerable. Uh, but he was a tough fisherman, and he was passionate. He was uh, an amazing, amazing disciple. And throughout this epistle, we're hearing him. We're hearing him exhort us about the life before Christ and encourage us in the life of Christ. And in this section today, we're going to be exploring the glory of the Lord, moving from glory to glory as we trust in the Lord. So what I want to start today's study off with is open your Bibles to chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. And what I want you to do is go to verse 40. Now, this is Jesus talking to Martha. After her brother Lazarus has died, they had sent a message to Jesus to come, and he delayed his coming. And um, because he wanted to demonstrate God's glory. And in 40, we read, Jesus said unto her, said I not unto you, that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. And that's my exhortation to us today, that if we would but believe, we will see the glory of God in our lives. And the the most extravagant and extraordinary blessing of that is we will also grow our walk, our, our time walking in the kingdom of God here on this earth will grow. We'll become more citizens of heaven, leaving behind that dead corpse of the world that we surrendered at the cross. Now, before we jump into all of that, I just want to touch really quickly on what we talked about last time, okay? And what we talked about last time is that God gives gifts, and each of those gifts are individual. Remember Peter asking the Lord on the shores of Galilee, well, what are you going to do with him? And Jesus' response is, what is it to you? Because you see, we each have a gift, and we each have something to do within the body of Christ. Take time to figure out what that is. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit for revelation, See how he's been walking you, growing you up, what he's been growing you up in, and operate in that gifting to the glory of God. But now Peter starts in a different direction. He writes, 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth on you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Okay, so remember the the context of today's study is about glory, God's glory. So let's start. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Now, Peter's taking us pretty much back to the first part of this epistle. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 8, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, that now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. The trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That is the context of today's scriptures. I want you to hold on to that thought of glory. What is this glory? Our trials and our testings are a common theme for Peter in this epistle. And he says, do not think it is strange. What we have to remember is in the midst of our trials and tribulation, there is glory to be had There is glory to be seen. There is glory to be experienced and glory to be anticipated. We don't need to think it's strange that we're having these trials. What we need to do is be thinking of Jesus and placing our faith in him because he has already proven. He's our example. He's our leader. He's our shepherd. He's who we follow. And he's already proven the ability to overcome. Do you remember in the garden? Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. In order for us to experience glory, to see glory, We have got to grasp that concept of nevertheless, not my will, but his be done. 
Peter calls us to rejoice in our trials. If we look at Luke chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, it says, Blessed are you when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice you in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in that manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Jesus in Luke is associating the persecution that the disciples and all disciples following would experience, and he's associating it to what happened to the prophets of the Old Testament, how they were persecuted and slaughtered and killed and imprisoned because they spoke, thus saith the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We have got to start getting a brand new perspective about the trials and the tribulations we go through in this life. I have often thought about this earthly experience as being basic training One day we will rule and reign with Christ. We will judge angels. How are we to do that if we have not been transformed into the image of Christ? Where lies all righteousness? So he goes on and he says that inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. Saints, try this perspective on. Our sufferings are opportunities for glory. Let me say it again. Our sufferings are opportunities for glory. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, love this scripture. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Our sufferings are opportunities to obtain glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Our sufferings are opportunities to obtain glory as we look to Christ. So these partakings of Christ's suffering are so that we will be glad with exceeding joy. He goes on to say in verse 14 that if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This is the only reference right here in 2 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, where we read the spirit of glory. Let's take a look at this word. The word glory in the Greek is doxa. It means glory, splendor, grandeur, brightness, brilliance, revealed presence of God, God himself. Heaven rests on you. In the Hebrew, the Hebrew equivalent is kavod. And it is a description of the glory that abided on the tabernacle and the temple. It is the same glory that Moses asked God to see on Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And Exodus 40, 34 it says, then the, cloud, then the cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So what is the same, Kendra? When we suffer as followers of Christ, when we walk in the Spirit, seeking to live God's way, not my way, not man's way, Peter is telling us that the Spirit of glory, doxa, or kavod, will rest upon us just like it did in the tabernacle. Just like it did when Moses spent that time with God on Mount Sinai and came down and had to cover his face because he was shining. The rest of verse 14 says, On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Our part is to glorify God. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The scriptures are filled with this theme of glorifying God, of receiving his glory, of being transformed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all... With open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Saints, our trials, when we choose to acknowledge God, resist the flesh, resist the enemy, but acknowledge God, trust God, 
are being transformed. We're being transformed so that as we behold ourselves, as others behold us, they will see the glory of the Lord in us. We will begin to see the glory of the Lord. I've often said, I really know who I am based on how my friends love on me. It's a testimony of what they see in me that I can't see. Imagine, one day we're going to know as we're known. We're going to see the Lord face to face. But in the meantime, with each opportunity to achieve glory through trials and tribulations by acknowledging him, we get transformed more and more and more. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 10 and 12 says, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe in that day, wherefore also we pray also for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. And here it is, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified In you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a partnership going on here, saints, between the Lord and Jesus and Jesus and us and his spirit working and filling us with glory each and every time we choose to acknowledge him and his ability. God has stated that he desires none to perish, but all to come to salvation. That he might deposit his spirit inside of their hearts as he's done with us, that we might grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that we might magnify his name, by the glory that is revealed in us. Romans 8.18 again says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. When we suffer as followers of Christ by walking righteously, by walking pretty much completely opposite of the ways of the world, When we walk in the Spirit, seeking to live God's way, not my way, again, Peter is telling us that the Spirit of glory rests on us. Do you know that this is also the same glory that fell upon Paul on the road to Damascus? It was the Damascus Road experience for Paul that completely transformed his life. That power should be on exhibition in our lives. Are you grasping what we're being told? Please, please lay hold of this. God wants us to see him, experience him, and reflect him to the world. 
His Spirit is sanctifying our lives by the truth of His Word as we soak in His Word daily. We are endued with power from on high, Acts 1 8, to be able to stand in the midst of our trials and reflect Him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. A commentary by David Guzik says, The same fire that consumes straw will purify gold. The fire is the same, but its purpose in application is different, and its effect is different upon the straw and the gold. Even so, Christians do suffer some of the same things the ungodly do, yet the purpose of God is different, and the effect is different. God is seeking to purify a people for him by his Shekinah glory, resting on us in the midst of of the trying, in the midst of the fire, because he wants us to come as gold. Remember, our faith is more precious than gold. Moving on, verse 15. Peter changes gears again. But let none of you suffer as murderers or as a thief or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. That's that's the difference. We suffer for Christ versus suffering because of, of things of the world that are still sticking to us. There's no spirit of glory in that. For what glory is it when you are buffeted for your faults and you take it patiently? But when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently? This is acceptable to God, from 1 Peter 2.20. Our difficulty is we have trials and tribulation the Lord is allowing in our life, and a lot of it is brought on by old behavior that we're not willing to let go of, but most of it is influenced or controlled or targeted at us by the enemy. Remember who's teaching us here. It's Peter, the one that was tested and tried, the one who walked on water and rejected Christ three times. It's Peter who is teaching us about our flesh, about the adversary. When we suffer for righteousness' sake and take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. And as I mentioned, the battle is permitted by the Lord to stretch us, to try us. But it is orchestrated generally by the adversary. However, in James, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. James 4, 7. We resist when we submit to God's way by seeking 
His glory in every situation by claiming His promise of faithfulness, by reaching out for His direction and assistance in every trial, and trusting that He's already gone before you. The Bible says He he knows what you have need of before you ask. This is patiently enduring. And this is acceptable to God. Let us be patiently seeking the Lord. And when we do see his glory, that's our blessing. We get to see heaven, this side of heaven. We get to testify of his work in our life. We get to reflect Christ. And we get to rejoice in the truth. Now, Peter goes on to say in verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. Saints, When we live a committed life, we live a glorified life. The power of the gospel is the power of salvation. When you do well and suffer for it, take it patiently, for this is acceptable with God. To God be the glory, or as they say in the Hebrew, kolakavod. We'll finish this chapter next week when it talks about cleansing God's temple first. For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at kendramartinministries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org. Hey.